How many of you followed through with that assignment? The three that I gave, one, two, three, and you reached out to those, those missionaries, wonderful. Now you get to, no, I'm not going to have you come up. Um, but I do want you to do this for me. You reached out to that missionary. I want you, after the service, to share with one other individual how they too can be praying for that missionary you spoke with. This week I need three new volunteers. I need, I need three new volunteers. We're going to do this every week, so you better get comfortable with it, okay? All right? You're making the service. There we go. We have one. I need two more. Two. Caleb, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Your mom voluntold you. It's, you know. Um, please go back to that mission wall. Pick out a missionary and just reach out to them this week. Encourage them, bless them, and, and pray with them or for them. Um, I cannot stress the blessing of doing that for you and for them. This, this passage that we're looking at today, like I said, this whole book, I'm just excited about it, okay? Hands down, I am thrilled about Philippians, but... As I, as I studied the passage for today, it, it truly renewed my, my love and, and compassion for you. I, I, was, I was challenged this week. As, as I read through verses 3 through 11, I was challenged to be a better pastor. I was challenged to be a better husband and father. I was honestly challenged to be a better brother in Christ to each of you. I was encouraged as I read this, this passage because it just, it's one of those things that should, should be the epitome. It should be the, what we think of when we think about a brother or sister in Christ. And so as I, as I bring this this morning, my prayer is that you as well will be blessed as we look at, at these verses. I want you to know that as I studied this week, countless times, I, I was drawn and, and convicted just to pause and pray for you. I have our church directory, I appreciate it so much, and mine is, is in laminated sheets, <laughs> otherwise the pages would rip out over time, but I, I took that directory this week numerous times and prayed for each of you by name. I took you before the throne of God on numerous occasions, and it was a joy. This, this has been a joy-filled week for your pastor. Paul, as he has started this letter, he's, he's, he's starting and expressing his joy for the people that he's writing to. He, he's expressing his gratitude, his thanksgiving for, for people who are, are so dear and as I read these words, I, I, could, I could relate with, with so many things. 
and he shares with them in this letter that he's writing how he prays for them. He shares that with them. I've decided this morning to deviate from uh, reading from the New American Standard, and and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. As I was studying and going through the various translations, this one just felt personal. It felt very real as, as Paul is expressing his heart to these people he loves so much. I'd encourage you to turn in your own copies of God's Word to Philippians chapter 1 and follow along either in your own copy or on the screen as we look at verses 3 through 11. Paul says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard of it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, it is right that I, I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Man, I wish I could write letters like that. I mean, imagine being the the, the people in, in Philippi there. And receiving this from Paul. You would get a sense of his heart, would you not, as you read this letter? I mean, regardless of the situation you're in, you would read this and see a a shepherd, a man, a brother in Christ who cares for you, loves you. I mean, it would almost make you smile, wouldn't it? 
As I read this over and over, I smiled over and over. Think about it, it's been 10 years. Paul is writing this 10 years after he planted that church. That church is growing, it's thriving. As he writes this, he's 800 miles from this dear church family that he loves. He's sitting in prison, chained to a Roman guard. As he writes this letter of just joy and gratitude. As he ponders and thinks about a people he loves. Did you notice as he started, regardless of distance and location, regardless of how long it's been since he started that church there, there is an ongoing joy and thoughts of these people. Think about that if you're the Philippians. Here is a man you respect and love. And he in turn says, you know what, Philippians? Oh, I think about you. Oh, you come to my remembrance over and over. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to hear from Paul as he writes? I remember you guys. Church, don't underestimate the power of remembrance. I think in our busy society, our, our, our flashes on Facebook of tidbits of life, we just tend to fly through life. Truth be told, it's real easy to forget people. Forget people. And Paul here is remembering. I, I want you to think just back seven days who's remembered you who made you feel remembered as Paul remembers them he prays for them how cool is that not only are they being remembered they're being prayed for Wow, when Paul thinks of us, he prays for us. I, I love that. And then he says, I, I, I bring and, and, and I bring petitions before God. We're going to see some examples of what he prayed for in, in verses 9 through 11. Let me ask you this. Who have you prayed for this week? Specifically sat down and prayed for. I know three people prayed for three missionaries at least. That's good. Who have you prayed for? Have you told them? It's kind of nice to know when someone's praying for you. Has someone prayed for you? You're like, I don't know. They haven't told me. Maybe. When Paul prays, he says, not only do I pray for you guys. He goes, when I pray for you, it is a joyous occasion. Paul's written to other churches, and it was not a joyous occasion when Paul prayed for them. 
As Paul prayed for some churches, he is dealing with, with concerns. He's dealing with their sin and bringing their sin before God. Paul has prayed for churches that, that were, were looking at, at straying from God, apostasy. But rather when Paul thinks of these people, joy just overflows his heart. I got to say, as I prayed for you guys this week, joy overflowed your pastor's heart. What a joy it is to to pause and, and, and pray for you. And you know what? I was overjoyed because of the same reasons Paul was. Did you notice why Paul was overjoyed? Notice, Paul's overjoyed because these saints have partnered with him. Isn't that cool? You're like, "Ah, sure, sure, pastor, that's great. No, think about it. These, These saints have partnered with the Apostle Paul in the progress of the gospel. That's exciting stuff. The work of the gospel, the work of bringing Jesus Christ to the lost. And he says, when I think of you, I think of those who are partnering with me. Not only did they, he rejoice in the fact that when they heard the message of Jesus Christ, they received it, they held on to it, they were excited, and they joined in to the family of God. Not only did they do that, but then they're like, let's be a part of this, let's go out, and they're sharing it with others around them. This church in Philippi was known to grow and and thrive. Why? Because people were sharing Jesus Christ. Paul's not there anymore, by the way, guys. This was being done by the work of the people. And not only that, they have partnered with him in gifts and support. Their financial gifts, supplies, Don't underestimate supporting our missionaries and what that means to them. Supporting them financially, supporting them with your prayers, supporting them with encouragement. They've supported this apostle when he went to trial. Everyone else rejected him, but not the Philippians. They stood with him. Have you ever had a brother or sister in Christ? The world is turning your back on you, but oh, that brother or that sister standing with you. Taking the shots with you. What a blessing. What an encouragement. Paul says, I rejoice because you partner with me. I, I struggle sometimes when I'm up here. I, I, I have to do multiple things at, at the same time. My mind just can't stay on one thing. So as I looked out two Sundays ago, or one Sunday, I don't know, a few Sundays ago, I was, I was looking out and I started just looking at faces. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're part of that ministry. Oh, they, they participate here. Oh, they do this. And it was really cool. I just started getting excited while I was preaching because I was looking around and I realized how many in, in our church are participating in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I thought about those that I know who have, have st- Bible studies at their workplaces. Those who, who engage others around them in prayer. Those who are discipling individuals. Those who are coming alongside of our young people and raising up a godly generation. It was a thrilling Sunday. I mean, the message was okay too, but man, I was really excited. It is a blessing for me to pray and to think about the ministry God's using you in and to pray for that work and for God to bless it. It thrills my heart. And Paul, as he's writing this, he's just, he's rejoicing. Here is a a church, here is a people that, that are not just giving lip service. They're engaging. How cool is that? And then Paul almost gives like an intermission there. He's giving his gratitude and joy and all of this. And then he pauses in verse 6 and he expresses his confidence. Did you see that? Look back at verse 6 in your, in your Bibles. He says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Sound booth, thank you very much for throwing that up there. I, man, those guys are good. Man. I didn't have that up there. They just bounced back. They're, they're good. Paul is confident. But did you notice where his confidence is? It's placed in God. I am confident that God who started this work of salvation in you. Salvation is the work of Christ and Christ alone. But not only does he start this work of salvation, he is going to keep doing it. This is an ongoing thing, and I am confident that he will do this. God started that salvation in you, and he's still working. Isn't that encouraging when someone comes up and says, you know what? I see how God is still working in you and using you. Wow, thank you. Paul's grateful that he can look and and see that God is working in their lives. God's not done with them yet. In fact, God won't be done until he returns. Thank goodness, because I need a lot of work still. And and as we come, we see that God is the one who is doing this work in you and me, in Paul, in the Philippian church. I love that. How are you letting God work in your life? Where are you seeing Him work in in your life? On a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis. I appreciate those reminders when someone comes up and says, you know, I've really been seeing God work here in your life. And it's a joy to see. It's such a blessed reminder that God hasn't given up on me. Because I would have given up on me. Oh, but what encouragement, what blessing. Paul really really opens up his heart he opens up his heart and expresses his gratitude to these people 
think gratitude and thanksgiving is underrated. Paul's open with this church. I think sometimes in, in our guarded Western mindset, especially Western Slope, Colorado, you know, we're the Wild West out here. We get this idea that to show our hearts is a weakness. To show our vulnerabilities, to show care and concern is, is actually a weakness. Shame on us for thinking that way. I don't think there's anything weak about the Apostle Paul. But did you notice the verbiage that he used? Look at some of the phrases he used. There's a special place in my heart for you. Paul says that. I thank God for you. There's special, you, you join with that special favor with God. I love you and long for you. This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, one who is known for being brash and forthright and in your face. I mean, all of a sudden, we see his heart opening up. Paul, as he's writing this intro to his letter, I mean, he can't express it enough. He's grasping for words to try to describe how much they mean to him. A people who've joined with him in his imprisonments. We'll find out later in this letter, this church sent someone there to minister to his needs. What a loving church. They stood with him on, during the trials and defense. They have stood with him proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have not backed down. Paul is, is trying to express words all he can say. This church, people, I love you so much. The only way I can truly express my heart to you is to tell you that it just originates with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. There's another strong man for you. I don't think there's a person out there that would consider Jesus Christ a wimp. But as he expresses his love for these saints, the only way he can express it is from what is within the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. Over and over he is saying thank you. His gratitude is just flowing. Did you notice the numerous times he says for you all? I mean Paul wants everyone there, all of them. He even includes the deacons and elders. He's like guys I like you too. That's encouraging, isn't it? He goes, all of you, you are participating. I'm so grateful. It's interesting. Paul is facing hardship. He's facing difficulties. And I found two things about hardships. They'll either make you bitter or better. Paul's not allowed them to make him bitter. A better, stronger, more grateful, more joyful. 
And we see this from him. The next few weeks, up to, up to the 20th, when we have our Feast of Thanks, oh, man, we're having chili potluck cook-off tonight. In a few weeks, we're having our Feast of Thanks. I mean, I love food and fellowship. The two just go together. All right? But I'm looking forward to that. But what I want us to do, and you guys have those, those leaves there. You have pins in front of you. I encourage you at some point in this service when you're getting bored listening to me, you grab that leaf and you write something that you are truly grateful for. Okay? And then there's hooks down here in a basket. And I just want you to kind of come up and, and hang that leaf on the tree. Wouldn't it be great in the next few weeks if that thing was just loaded with leaves? I mean, right? wouldn't it? Because church, there's a lot to be grateful for. And Paul is expressing his gratitude, his thankfulness. And then he says, not only am I thankful for you guys, not only do you guys bring me joy, but I pray for you. And he gives them an example of what he prays and how he prays for them. I love the examples of of prayer in Scripture. Paul has written many, many letters. We, We have them in the Scriptures. And it never fails when Paul is writing a letter, he expresses to them the his various things that he prays for for these churches. We find that as he, he prays, here's some examples of things he prays for. So if you're wondering, what should I pray for someone for? Here's a good list to start with, okay? Okay, he expresses the love that he has for them in his prayers. Have you ever talked to God about how you just love someone and appreciate them? He prays for their growth. The desired growth in that, in that individual, in that church. Wisdom and knowledge. He prays for their good works, the things that they're doing for the Lord. He prays for those. Oh man, we all need this one right here. Discernment. Oh, I pray that you guys all pray for my discernment day in and day out. <laughs> he prays about God's glory in their life. That God would be glorified. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. And that the fruit would be lived out. What a beautiful example of of things to pray for. You know, it's interesting. I ask a lot of people, hey, how can I pray for you? And they almost get this sheer panic look on their face. (gasps) The pastor's asking me, how, like, did I do something wrong? Am I showing something? I mean, panic. I mean, these are the answers I usually get. Oh, Pastor, you know, right now, life's good right now. I'm fine. I I don't need prayer. Really? Oh, man, I do. Numerous times, there's there's health prayers, either praises that that are given. It was wonderful. Jim, I I saw Jim in the parking lot this week, and, and we were able to rejoice together in the parking lot for the way that God had answered prayer. Oh, thrilled my heart. I mean, I was like on cloud nine the rest of the afternoon. Just wonderful. I get different requests of of prayers and health concerns, and, and it burdens my heart, and I pray for that. 
Sometimes the prayer request is, is a hard situation. Often, though, the, it's, it's asked that the hard situation would disappear or go away. That's, that's usually the request. Typically, it's, I, I don't know, Pastor. I, I don't know how you can pray for me. Oh, man, here's a good list. Next time someone asks you how they can pray for you, just choose one of these. Paul doesn't ask them how I can pray. He just tells them, this is what I'm praying for you. That your love, your love would flow abundantly. I mean, picture a river raging. And, and as you, that love just overflows from you. I, I think of Niagara Falls and the water's just gushing over the edges. There's, there's a spray everywhere because there's so much. Wouldn't it be great if the church's love overflowed like that? And on either border, it was, it was bordered by knowledge and understanding. He prays for their knowledge that they would truly find an intimacy with God. An intimacy. Oh, not just an understanding, yeah, he's out there, but a, a knowledge of Jesus so intimate that the love just beats in your heart for him. An understanding of what's real to have an understanding heart. Oh, that's what, that's what Paul's praying for them. Understanding, he says, what really matters. See, we, we think a lot of things matter. But Paul is praying that they would have an understanding of what really matters. What a prayer. Why, why would he pray that? Well, he tells them why he prays it, and there's no guessing to it. So that you will live pure, blameless lives. Not perfect. My goodness, none of you are going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not a perfect church. If you're perfect, you need to find another church. This is not the place for you. But pure, blameless. Testimonies. And Paul's praying this, not just that they would be this way on Sunday, or Tuesday, for that matter, I mean, but that it would be here to stay, day in and day out, in their lives. You know what? Until, he says, Christ returns. That's, that's a, well, that could be any moment, but my goodness, that's a great time to live that, isn't it? Day in, day out, until he returns. And he's praying this for the people. And then he says, I pray that, that there would be an abundance, an overflowing, that you would be filled with the fruit of your salvation. You're like, well, what is that? Glad you asked. Turn to Galatians. There, you did ask, right? Okay, there is a list of the abundance of the fruit of your salvation. I like lists. Here it is. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
This is some good fruit. Love, joy, peace. Oh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Keep that list up there. Look at that list. Paul's praying that these things are lived out in their lives. Imagine that. Imagine if this fruit was lived out in your life this week. Wow, that would be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, imagine those things lived out in your home. Our marriages, our workplaces, schools. You know what would happen? Well, first of all, people are going to notice, okay? I mean, you don't see these kind of things lived out in someone's life faithfully and not notice. You know what? It's going to bring glory and praise to God. That's what Paul's praying for them. I want to see God be glorified and praised because of your lives. That's a cool prayer. That is a powerful prayer. It is not a shallow prayer. That is deep. Because he wants to see something happen. So what? So what? We read a letter written by Paul 2,000 years ago. To a church that is no longer there, a people that have long passed. We see a man that really loved these people, shared how he was praying. What does it have to do with you and me? I want to challenge you with two things. Two things today. Participation and prayer. I want to challenge you to participate in a very real way in the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ this week. To be involved. Tell someone about Jesus Christ. Reach out. Participate. Reach out to some of our missionaries who are serving on fields and often feeling very alone, forgotten, not remembered. Reach out. And I want you to be intentional about your prayer. For some, prayer is probably just a habit before a meal. Maybe something you'd say just real quick. I want you to think about your prayer. Think about what you are going. You are talking to the very creator of the universe. The very one who holds the galaxies. You have his ear when you pray. Don't be shallow. 
I want you to tell someone this week that you're praying for them. And I want you to tell them how you're praying for them. And probably more importantly, then pray for them. I mean, don't just tell them or actually pray. Pray is hard work. Prayer is hard work. Imagine the glory and praise the Lord will receive this week if we engage that way. In closing, I want to say what a joy it is to be your pastor. It is truly an honor, a privilege, and a blessing. I love you guys. I praise God for you. I thank all of you for the part that you are having in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The coolest thing was when I stood up here looking across, I saw only less than a handful of people I didn't know if they were engaging in the work of of Christ or not. And here's the thing, I'm hoping that God just is using them and I have no clue. But I love you guys. And it is truly a joy to bring you before the throne of grace. May I do so as we close. Gracious, gracious Heavenly Father. Oh, that you even allow us to to address you in such an intimate and loving way. God, my prayer this week is that we, as, as the body of Christ, would participate in the work that you are doing. God, we would see the work you're doing in our lives and we would jump on board. Oh, may you use us greatly this week. And God, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. That we would lift up one another before you. That we would would bring each other before the throne of grace. And we would take the time to encourage one another that we're doing so. God, we love you. And it's because of you we can love each other. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.